Gibbs in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing game. spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Well, I usually open up with good or happy or something, but it's Friday. I'll give you that. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, and of course, news came down the pipe for all major sporting and minor sporting, as most high schools have concluded seasons and other things. And so, still going to do a Friday podcast. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher. In case I didn't say Mike's here, Mike is here. And uh, we have a special second segment lined up. We are going to get, and because they are obviously sponsor of ours, but they're a great resource of ours. Alan Levine of Ballot Health, the CEO, is going to come on. We're going to ask him a lot of questions. We're going to try to ask questions we think fans want to know. We certainly want to try to find out what information we can put out there, not just about why things are canceled, try to figure out what exactly this coronavirus is so that we're even we're informed, but try to get everybody else informed. And then lastly, we'll try to find out, is is there something that people can get a hold of real-time information? And I know I keep hearing this about don't overwhelm the healthcare system, don't go immediately in the emergency room. So we'll ask what ballot health has got in place. I know just reading the paper, they've been working on stuff. So we'll just talk to Alan, get all that out there. Certainly it's disappointing, Mike, as, as sports fans and, and everything that we do for a living – but it's also a situation with people are trying to manage something that could become what's a, a pandemic or pandemic, whatever it is right now, to an epidemic, right? You want to slow that down, and certainly if you can do something that will help um, save lives and do things until the health uh, world organizations, uh, the WHO around the world can figure it out and the CDC and all that and try to get everything under control because here would be my fear everyone's looking as we should to right now there's no this there's no that if this thing somehow didn't get under control would it be even more so that the 2021 would be affected right the 2020 2021 season and it gets into not just winter and championships spring Summer gets into the fall, gets into football, gets into ne- so. I I think if these if we are sacrificing the short term right now, so then in three months, four months, everybody's got their head wrapped around it, and then life goes on as usual, and vaccines are out there, and things are under control, and we understand everything more, and this is a one off that will never happen again. Hopefully, in our lifetime or anybody else's lifetime, I'm all for it, and. I think it's tough to come to grips with that because it's so emotional. I mean, 
This is going to be, and this shouldn't be about me, it should be about everything else, but this is going to be the second NCAA tournament I've missed. I missed one due to a call-up going to Iraq, and I missed one because of a virus. And there's not that many opportunities to go. Now, I've been lucky. TSU's been great at basketball. I've been able to go to football playoffs. I've been able to go to baseball playoffs. I've been able to go to multiple NCAA tournaments with the men and the women. So I, I certainly don't feel if, – if my only two chances to go were that, and I've never been, I would be – probably almost in tears to be honest with you but it's not now who i do feel like i should shed a tear for is all the athletes no doubt and i'm not even talking college athletes i mean the pro athletes they're they're getting paid they're going to continue to be on a contract they're eventually going to play because of they it's their job i I get that all the college athletes that miss out on opportunity and, and some athletes miss out on opportunity to even compete for the right to get to the ncaa tournament and then to even take it in a lower level I feel bad for the high school kids that were a senior that weren't going to play college, had no opportunity. This was their last chance to be a kid, enjoy sports one more year before they've got to do something else. So this is so much more on on a greater scale of everything. And so that's just my, again, it's a little bit different show than what we, we probably do, and that's just a, a ramble opening thoughts. It's sort of like the other day where we said, let's just open a mic and go. This one's a little different. We have a little bit more of a plan on how the show is going to progress. But just for an initial opening statement, that's sort of my thoughts. I'm curious about yours. Well, odd times can kind of throw you into a weird purgatory-like state, and I'm sure that's kind of how it feels right now, obviously here on the show like you talked about. But for a lot of these athletes that are in the middle of their seasons, if we're talking spring sports, for, of course, ETSU men's basketball, uh, a number of the other schools that had already clinched their berth to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I saw some comments out there that, uh, especially for the Daytons, the San Diego States, the ETSUs, people are feeling bad for these specific programs because they really were special years, you know, and you're absolutely right. ETSU has been fortunate via a number of tremendous players, coaches, coaching staffs, administrators, staff members to have been well above average, if not great at college basketball compared to those around them over the years. And I think Steve Forbes summed it up pretty well. He said, I'm heartbroken for everyone associated with our program, especially our five seniors and obviously a tremendous group of seniors that they were. Uh, but he did say that he wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly supports the decision. And at the end of his statement, and this is to Jeff Goodman yesterday at Goodman Hoops. We had him on the podcast last year, and he and Coach Forbes are uh, great friends, have been for quite some time. And he, actually, Coach Forbes was on uh, Goodman's podcast about two or three weeks ago. Uh, Coach Forbes just ended by saying, I want to personally thank my team and our fans for the magical season that has now come to an end. And there's the bit of finality. And uh, I saw actually last night um, Chris Forbes and Frank Davis, just a couple of the staff members for uh, Steve Forbes' staff, and uh, they were hurting, you know, and I think we're all hurting for them. Um, I, I'm with you. I mean, you have to do what's in the best interest of the greatest number of people. And when you've got 300 million people in this country and 7 billion worldwide that could be affected by this, I mean, you look at the numbers and up through – Wednesday, really the cases were growing by about 20 to 30 percent in the U.S. And you look, and Alan Levine will talk about this, at other parts of the world, specifically Italy, you went from 19 cases February 21st to 12,000 yesterday. That's three weeks. And I don't do math at a level to know what factorial that is of 19, but obviously it's an exponential increase. And to have, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, 70, 90,000 fans in the same place watching an event, 
doesn't make any sense at a time like this. I do wonder what the decision-making process was and why it was not enough to hold those tournaments behind closed doors or to, say, postpone the NCAA tournament and with the spring championships, maybe just wait and see, that kind of thing. Um, there's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of frustration, right? But I think that at the end of the day, we have to trust that the NCAA, the NBA, NHL, MLS, XFL, you know, all across the board with sports because they really have come to a complete halt, uh, really from, you know, League A to League Z. I mean, all the way across the board, we have to trust that they have way more information than we do because you and me are laymans. Uh, everyone that's listening to this, I think, uh, on the whole, is going to be a layman. Uh, it's going to be good to talk to Alan Levine because he is not a layman. He has a lot more information than we do. But um, the WHO, the CDC, I'm sure there are recommendations from them, the people that know best, to cancel or postpone this tournament, do whatever the NCAA and each of these organizations felt they had to do. doesn't make it any easier, though. No, it, it doesn't. And, and there's no wrong or right – I don't know there's a wrong or right answer. Here, Here's the, the crazy part is – because it's so new and it's never it's a new thing right that there's so many unknowns that people need i think they're just trying to slow it down to figure out what they can i thoroughly believe what modern medicine has come up with and been able to do just in my lifetime in 42 years is is unbelievable and some of the things and, and vaccines and the number debt so i think given time all these smart people can figure it out. I thoroughly believe that. I think they will. I think the problem is, for most sports fans, it's, well, what does it mean? Like, are, are we just doing this and nothing happens? Or are we doing this and it still happens? And and I don't know that there's a wrong or right. I think the bad thing is, is if they slow it down enough and they do what they're wanting to do, which is just slow it down. They don't think they're going to stop it. Then I don't think anybody's living in that world yet because there's – no medicine or vaccination or anything that can do it right now but if they slow it down i think that you know it could prove to where there's not that many deaths and things aren't going and then i think people are going to say well see this was not a lot about anything but the problem is you can't prove that if that happens one way or another you can't prove it did help you can't really prove it didn't help but if you did nothing and thousands of people started to rush every hospital you got and there's not enough stuff to go around and then the deaths just start adding up and i think the interesting part is for me and and everyone's different i don't know where they are with their family clearly your family lives in in minnesota there's not a lot around here for me you know i've got my dad and then i've got grandparents so on the other side my in-laws my brother-in-law was in a horrific car wreck has one lung has respiratory issues he's in his early 40s he would be at risk at this so if i go to a tournament and get that and not know and i get cleared but then i get back and i got it i've got a chance of taking out four people that are in my family and you know is that likely maybe not you know is it minimal do i want to run an opportunity to maybe do that and and knowing what we know is how it spreads what it affects and bottom line is it's possible it, it is it is and and you know and i'm sitting there and I, and I was you know talking to my wife about it. i'm sitting there thinking you know we're gonna play in these empty arenas and you know the nba had had one player 
who didn't know it, right? Uh, Rudy Gobert touching microphone, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Being, being, you know, a little bit of a, a smart aleck about it, but it, it, you know, he was trying to have fun. I don't, he ended up being malicious, but he wasn't trying to. At be. the time, They're, everyone else in the room was right. laughing, and they with laughed. Him. And and in fairness, you know, he's probably going to take way more shots Tons. than he deserves, right? Tons. And he and he's going to do it, and he certainly. He's learned a lesson. I hope other people have learned a lesson in that situation because, I, you know, I'm kind of that way too, a little bit of a smart aleck. So putting in the same spot, same situation, I mean, I'm just as likely to do that as he would and, and be a smart aleck about it. But the problem is, okay, so he did that. He's at least got another teammate. You know, then they were able to quarantine. They were able to do whatever. But if that was able to go, same thing in NCAA tournament, it took a few days for him because the first time he didn't test positive and it took a few days for him to test positive well if we go to the NCAA tournament in an empty arena and those guys didn't test positive and I'm flying back on a plane with those guys and I get a give so that's how it happened so I get where I didn't get it at first I, I was the first one to say oh you people are crazy we've need jerk react now now I start to get it and and you start to think okay this is it so I'm all for let's try to slow down until we understand more let's get whatever and if we had to miss three months of sports so that we never miss again i'm fine with that but if you have a massive outbreak without all these things going and i think the problem is um and we'll talk to alan levine about a lot of things but i keep hearing stress of healthcare, so i'm going to ask him that stress of healthcare. we stress the system is it because of the coronavirus and stuff not be able to treat that? Is it because it overruns and then everyone at the hospital is getting overran? Is it just, you know, do we not have enough of what? I, I don't know, but I'm going to ask. we got a resource. We'll, we'll we'll try to get to that. And I got a lot of questions, to be honest. I, I text him thoroughly thinking he would not be able to come on. He said, yes, I'll do it. I'd love to get information out. The other thing is we're not going to have an hour. I mean, we I could probably sit here and think of at least an hour's worth of questions no to doubt. give him. So. We're going to be limited. We're not going to get everything answered, but we're at least going to ask and try to understand why is everything the way it is. So Wednesday night, when this really blew up because of the Rudy Gobert thing, you know, I was out downtown till like nine nine thirty. Uh, came back, my phone had died, you know, because I'm inept with technology, and I come back and I walk in, and roommate's watching TV, and he says. You have to look at this. And I'm thinking, like, you know, monster. He's got the NBA. I'm like, monster dog, something huge. And he's like, NBA suspense season. It's like, whoa. whoa. It's like I missed, you know, three months, let alone three hours. You know, what what in the world's going on? And the Rudy Gobert positive test. And so then things kind of snowball that night. And then you wake up and you don't know what to expect, right? And the conference tournaments start to get canceled. And instantly my thought was, well, geez, I'm glad that the SOCON got theirs in, right? I mean, it is kind of odd sometimes thinking about the schedule of conference tournaments and the SOCON being so early, but look brilliant right now. You know, selfishly, that was one of the first thoughts. And then, of course, I'm just like, oh, geez, this is a lot bigger than I think a lot of people could have known. Like you said, early on, it was easy to be that smart aleck, poke fun guy, but starting to hit you with the severity. And the Big East starts playing their tournament. And I'm watching the first half of Madison Square Garden with the four or 500 fans in the building, and it felt weird that everything else was canceled and the Big East was still going on. And even as late as like 2 or 3 o'clock yesterday, uh, the MEAC was going to be in their semifinals in basketball, and they had still planned on playing. You sent me that tweet, I think it was like 3 or 4 o'clock yesterday. They were still planning on playing, and then finally you know, canceled the rest of their tournament and ultimately uh, spring sports as well. But the Big East then at halftime says, now that's it, we can't do it. Now I caught myself in that moment 
listening to the production and hearing kind of what they had done to kind of make it seem like a full arena, four or 500 people there, but it sounded great. And again, it seems stupid now, 24 hours later, but my reaction was, boy, if the NCAA tournament's like this, I can get used to this. This is going to be totally fine. I thought it'd be weird with no fans in arenas, but I think if production crews do what this Fox production crew is doing, it's going to be a thing of beauty. You know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, but then the Big East cancels theirs, and then you hear about the referee and the CAA and the Hofstra game, and you start to do the math. A referee touches the ball, right, around other referees within six feet because that's what people have said is kind of the distance that you have to be in order to catch it or be at risk of catching it. And I started to add it up, and I'm saying, okay, say this referee does maybe, what, four of the tournament games? Four tournament games, so times everything you're thinking of in one game by four, they're around probably within six feet of thousands of people in that time. And touching the ball, I mean, everyone then that touches the ball is at risk. Well, how many times have you seen, number one, a referee walk up and say something to a kid they don't really want to be seen, right? So they're close talking like, hey, right. cut it out, yeah. you know, no more, whatever. Then they go up to the scores table, right? They talk to the scores table close. Hey, whatever, we got a flagrant one. Then they go up there, they close talk to TV crew. Then they talk to the coach. I mean, you could easily see how all of that plays into effect and how it could easily be spread one way or another. And then it came out later. I did think it was funny. The first in initial tweet said a CAA official and somebody, a national guy said, well, which one? And somebody said the CAA, and I guess they thought they were forgetting the N for NCAA. So somebody had to spell out for him the Colonial, Colonial Athletic, Athletic And I laughed. That it was, you know, there's a little levity there. But I laughed because I was like, it was like the, the CAA official did a tournament game. We're like, what tournament? What, what? And it was so funny because everyone else, and the, and the second time he did it, it was like 30 tweets immediately from fans. Like, come on, guy. Like, that's the term it was at. But that's how you could see easily, just like the same thing with. You know, the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell, and then you go and people don't know, and you get on a team plane, and how many people are on team plane? I mean, you could, quarters, you could see yeah. how this works, right? Well, and that's exactly it. Is and, and now, if you touch a ball and then hand somebody, can you get coronavirus? Uh, I, I don't know if that's how it works. I, I actually I, – I, I, I did hear it was slim just with a touch. Like, he would have to basically – Breathe on the ball or well, something? Well, he would basically <laughs> – let, let, let's say he coughed into his hand. Right. Put it on the ball. Sure. And if and then handed it to somebody pretty quickly. So possible. It's one of those where it doesn't quite live with the touch as long. Right. It's more about the airborne, right? right. The six feet, as right. you said. But how many times we've all seen it? It's a loud arena. The CAA was a packed house. They've not stopped doing any of that. He probably had to talk to players and coaches fairly close. It's and the scores table and TV. And, and they had a repl- I mean, there's you could easily see how he came in. He could come into contact with a lot. And of that it's even possible for you know the cough on the hand, then the ball, and then to someone. You know, like the fact that that's even possible is just like again, you start to add it up in your head, and it's just like times by two, times by two, times by two, and just quickly adds up to this could have spread to thousands of people just in that one arena. And so then you hear that, and a couple hours later, obviously the NCAA tournament is is canceled. You know, we're all waiting here. And sitting around and not knowing what to do, quite honestly. I mean, we had softball today that was supposed to be, I was going to do those broadcasts, you know, and then baseball next week. And, of course, then the NCAA term selection show, we had all planned for the selection show, which was going to be held in front of what I was guessing was probably going to be nearly 1,000 fans uh, here in Johnson City in the Millennium Center. And then that's going to be a behind-closed-doors thing, and then it's not happening at all because the NCAA tournament's off. And when the news broke about the NCAA tournament, I just sat back in my chair, and I swear I was, like, paralyzed for – an hour, two hours, like, I, 
people would come in and I'd just be like, what is going on? You know, it, it was just a shocking, unbelievable. Um, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I still don't really know, you know, what to do because our professional life is collegiate athletics, you know, and not to make it about us at all. And so I quickly want to transition away from that. But you do think about the pain that the seniors and those inside of NETSU, a Dayton, a San Diego State, all in the men's basketball and, you know, baseball and softball in the spring sports. You know, the ultimate goal has now been taken away from all of these kids. And again, do I disagree with their decision? Not necessarily, but you do feel for everybody involved because there's so much hard work behind closed doors and behind the scenes that goes into it. And now for no fault of their own, a lot of them won't be able to live their dream. So I, and I've had a lot of people direct message, whether it's email, text, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And I try to tell them like, and I've read recently, uh, there's a, there's been a couple of articles with NCAA and how they came to conclusion. I refuse to believe they didn't because they made an announcement late Thursday, yesterday recording Friday, late Thursday. I refuse to believe they didn't try to go down. There's yeah. billions of dollars on the line. And we. I think the NCAA is greedy. I, probably most people think they're NCAA greedy. So I, I refuse to believe that they're leaving that much money on the table. And I've saw some stuff where maybe they get some annuity payments here or there, so it wasn't that big a deal. But still they're leaving money and opportunity, and that's something they don't do unless something has gotten – to an extreme, and I think they have. I think from the articles I read, some of the biggest issue were the play because if they were going to postpone the tournament, some of the biggest issues they were having were in some areas they were not going to allow students back in school. Period, athletic or not, they weren't going to be able. They weren't going to let them there. They weren't sure they were going to let them there. Some schools may let them in, some may not. Would they be able to have? What kind of practice time do you leave? Arenas were an issue. And here's one that nobody wants to talk about, but the TV windows. CBS and Turner said, "Hey, down the road, we've we've got other stuff. When 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 M, you know when all these other things and for Turner like NBA playoffs are going to do that down the road. They've got other things going on. Clearance to get that many hours of television on that many channels was a legitimate issue. Now, it's not for all the other sports, so I don't know what the issue is. And, and I'm fine with the winner. If you don't say winner is done, I, I get that." Um, just because we're in the now and it's going to be – it could be three or four weeks, could be three months, could be four months we figure it out. I thought maybe a little premature on the spring ones because there are a lot of conferences that have said, look, we may start playing back in April. Southern Conference is one of them, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot that said, hey, if this thing isn't what we thought, we're going to play April first. If it is and it is getting worse, then certainly we're not going to play. But I thought killing all the spring sports, I know the the big one, I love the College World Series and love watching that. But they're, you know, men's golf's having a special year. Obviously, ETSU tennis has been a representative of an NCAA tournament for quite some time. We've had individual uh, runners make it in the uh, national championships of outdoor track and field that aren't going to have an opportunity to compete again. So I get um, the winner. The spring, I think, was a little tough to swallow that quickly. But again, I think the biggest issue and what the NCAA is saying is there's a lot of schools that just aren't letting their kids back, and that's going to be an issue. Then you're going to have a national championship with maybe half the schools that have student-athletes back on campus. And what was it, Duke, Kansas, and Arizona State, before the NCAA canceled the NCAA tournament for men's basketball, had basically said, yeah, we're out. This isn't going to happen. And then you start adding it up and say, okay, Kansas, well, that's a one seed most likely. 
number one team yeah, in the country Can- a lot of Kansas, the year. Kansas, they backed off a little bit. By, well, they backed off by just saying if they want us to play at any time soon because we've right. suspended everything, right. we're out. They didn't necessarily say if you played it in May. Right. Like, like the AD did come out and give clarification and said, you know, if they decide to play it in May or June, we'll look at sure. it. But if they're looking at, like, next week, let's go play in an empty arena, we're right. out. We're not playing for sure. And I think they did that to force the hand because there was not anybody saying – it seemed like the NCAA was still moving forward with, we're going to play this in front of no fans, you know, sort of hell or high water deal. Then it came into, well, if they just postpone it, and I think really more schools were that. And, and Duke, I think, was one of the first besides the Ivy League to say, hey, we're going online classes like two or three weeks ago. So, I, and, and obviously, I think the Duke doctors pretty pretty, pretty, pretty well known. They pretty know what they're doing. And if they're going to tell you the the Duke – faculty staff uh, or faculty I guess and all the doctors that work there that are on the highest end they're the most well respected in the world of what they do are telling their own students you shouldn't play basketball in an empty arena in a week good enough for me I mean I don't I don't know enough so everyone that that is sending me well how ridiculous it is I just point to this is not anything I know I refuse to believe that the whole world has come together to have this conspiracy to stop sports everywhere on, on every level. I, right. I just, I mean, I, I refuse to believe that's the goal of everybody. Like, they have to be doing this because no one knows. And if it's an overreact and it's nothing, I'm fine with that. If, if we get it under control and there's no major loss of lives and we're not having to be locked up in our own house with no toilet paper. Apparently, everybody's buying up all the toilet paper. If, if you're locked up in your own house for a few weeks, we figure it out, we get going, and life goes on, and this was a, a small road bump in the world to figure out, then fine. I, I, it's it, it's not that other shattering to me. I still feel bad for the athletes. Yes. I still feel bad for you know a lot of parties involved. I feel bad for... Uh, I, I think I saw a story about a Syracuse fan that flew all the way from North Dakota. He finally got his first Syracuse game, and the before the second game was canceled. And so they did a nice, you know, people short on news material. But you know, there, there's going to be that people that have saved that don't have a lot of means that have, you know, saved for a Laker game, and maybe it took two or three years, and they're going to make a Laker game. They're going to see LeBron or, or, you know, opening day of baseball. Maybe there's a. a father-son combination that's gone for 50 years and they're going to miss it for the first time ever i mean there's things there's small things i get that it's upsetting but in the large scheme of the world i i just i just don't see where all these smart people have come together to try to get a panic it seems like they're coming together to stop something that could be catastrophic from happening from my view for trey boyd jeromey rodriguez isaiah tisdale joe hughley lucas Goussaint. I feel awful because they earned something they won't get. And will time heal that? I don't know. I really don't know if it will. They say time heals all things. This one's going to sting for a long, long time. I always try and look at the positive side. You know, I try and be a, aside from being a smart aleck, like I always try and be, I always also try and be positive, especially when it comes to ETSU. They won their last game of their collegiate careers. There's not many people that can say that. They went out on a winning note, and they went out with incredible memories from especially these last two or three weeks. Is that going to be enough to override the hurt they're feeling now? No. Will it be in a couple months? I'm not sure. Will it a couple years down the line? I hope so. It it will always be the what if. No doubt. And that is 
especially as a mid-major, the frustrating part because – and you'll still see, I'm sure, people over the coming months that say when ETSU fans are reminiscing about this season, well, what does it matter? They would have lost in the first round anyway. Or they would have never held a candle to this person, and you'll get those people still. And to not be able to have the chance to prove those people wrong and not get a chance to be – the Butler, the George Mason, all these incredible mid-major teams that made a run. Because you don't know what would have happened, it is a devastating thing to have to incur. But the bottom line is, it's a lot more devastating if you go play those games and when you're done with the NCAA tournament, thousands of people come out and say, I went to the NCAA tournament and got coronavirus, now I'm on my deathbed. Yeah, I, think I, about having to hear that right. as an athlete, I, and and you know again, no, nobody knows. I mean, that's the thing. You you can't sit here and convince me that you know for sure all of those people would get it, all those people would die, but you can't convince me that it's harmless. I mean, if no. if all these health people, again, some of the the world's leading doc, not just world's leading doctor, but in the the U.S. and do, and all these research facilities are telling you, hey, we got to slow this thing down till we understand it. I take them at their word. I think. The other thing is, is let's say everybody gets their eligibility back and everybody comes back. I still don't think you can duplicate. No. Every year is it's same. And, and so that's, that's what's a shame. Let's say we get all – every senior that wanted to come back, or even better, every senior did come back everywhere in the world, and they could play an extra year, you know, because you're going to be able to add new pieces. You're going to be able to do different things. And it's Pat you don't know how, seven threes and eight right. minutes. You don't know. To win Some the of the things that, that happen to win games, do those not go down for you? A great example was that one. I mean, there's so many different things that go, you just can't ever duplicate. So even if they get a play, I hope they do because they could try to earn another chance and, and live out a dream. But it still doesn't mean they're going to go 30-4. and four. still doesn't mean that they're the same team at 30-4. and four. It still doesn't mean other teams. You know, that's another thing. Do those teams get better? Do they get worse? Do they do whatever? I mean, the special thing about this was the way the year broke down everywhere. This is what gave, I think, most ETSU fans a belief because watching other games, beating LSU, doing all these other things. Like, I think that's the that's the bad thing. Even if they get a chance to go, there's still no guarantee that that means you're duplicating. And you can't. You can't duplicate this season, next season. I mean, even if you won more games, even if you went 32-2, and two, it's still not duplicating what this team did, what this team earned, what this team was able to do, and what they might have been able to do. The harsh reality, That's the sad part. Yeah, the harsh reality is it's done. Right, This season is done. This year is done. This narrative is done. And it's an empty feeling, I think, because there is not that finality. And that's always what you, you seek, right? That's why we have tournaments and championships and things like that. Like, we find out who's the best. You know, and we find out against, on a neutral site, a certain opponent, like, okay, could you take them down? Could ETSU against Kansas, say they were an eight or a nine seed, and they beat their first-round opponent, and then they were matched up against Kansas in the second round? How cool, right? Because you get to go and have that chance again on a neutral site this time, and you only lost by 12, and you're only down five with six minutes to go, and so on and so forth. We're not going to get that, and that is very unfortunate. I think my final takeaway from it is just I hope that this helps. I hope that this does, as Alan Levine, I'm guessing we'll talk about, there's this term that's out there that's been out there for a couple that flattened the curve, right? Instead of it being a, not a bell curve, but really just a steep curve upward, instead of that with the infectious disease, coronavirus, you know, getting, you know, 40,000, then 80,000, then 160,000 over a certain period, 
you get to a point where things, because of social distancing and others, um, you start to flatten out at like, you know, hopefully in the U.S. It's right now, I think, 1,600. I hope at 2,000, you know, heck, 1,600, whatever. It flattens. It goes straight across instead of continuing to go upward and then dies out. I hope that this helps. And if it does and nothing really ever amounts to more than it has been with coronavirus, I hope people do have some perspective not to say, well, why'd they cancel? Look, I mean, it wasn't anything in the first place. Because of the measures that are being taken, those are going to have something to do with that. Right, and, and I, the, the, the weak take is, well, the media. And we work in media, and so maybe we're partial to media because we are media. But the media didn't tell the World Health Organization or the CDC or anything to put this out, right? Now, are there, because social media, news cycles, other things, and is there a lot of misinformation out there? Absolutely, which is why we're having Alan Levine on here in just a second to try to give you some real perspective from someone in the healthcare profession that's running one of the largest conglomerates, you know, in a rural area. So we, we need to try to understand that, but if we just hit pause on sports and everything's figured out and nothing happens Great. and we get going absolutely let let's business as usual you know most people are saying this could be 12 months 24 months i mean does everybody want to go without sports for a year for two years or whatever Please, or no. you yes yes uh what would we do talk about your sweater vest again i don't know what we do i don't know i, don't, I need to shave my back i don't know we if we'd have about? jobs quite honestly yeah well that's true too is, <laughs> am i going to pay me at that point in time? I, is that a get going on without a check to provide the two people to be able to do it i don't think so. uh, well we'll have to find out yeah. I, I doubt it uh, i mean i wouldn't pay me well i think again i wouldn't pay me right now anyways all right uh alan levine's calling in we'll be back in about 30 seconds or so we'll get right to his interview we'll get as much information as we can out there for you after this time out saying no sidekick buccaneer sports network over the last 70 years Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher back on Sandos and the Sidekick. And as promised, as we tease after our first segment, we are going to tap into a great resource we have access to. We're going to talk to, right now on the telephone, Alan Levine of Ballot Health, the CEO. And, Alan, we've been uh, friends for a long time. You joined us for a broadcast. You know, we talk a lot of sports. We normally don't talk about health, but I feel like because of what has happened with everything being canceled, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of stuff that, I think sports fans, even athletes, don't quite get. And so we wanted to have you on today. So first, thank you for taking the time. And the first question I think is the obvious. Why do you think it was important for mass gatherings such as athletic events and stuff to be halted or at least paused for the moment? Well, Jay, it's good to, it's good to, good to talk to you again. And, of course, I can't start this without – congratulating coach Forbes and his amazing uh, basketball team and I know their hearts are broken that they're not going to have the opportunity to go to go as far as they're we all know they're capable of going in the tournament um, so I, I 
and I, by the way, I agree with Coach Forbes. I hope I hope there's a chance for the seniors to come back. I think that would be really special. But um, you know, this is this is a big issue. Uh, if you look at what's going on in Italy and other places around the world. Um, the healthcare system is is very limited in its capacity. There's only so many patients we can take care of, and there's only so many um, intensive care unit uh, beds that we have throughout the world, throughout the country, and certainly in our region. And what's happening right now is designed to prevent a massive spread that would create such a surge of illness that we couldn't take care of the people that need to be cared for. And, you know, that's the key is to what they call it flattening the curve. If you have a massive surge of illness, two things happen. Number one, you wind up with a lot of people, particularly the elderly, that get very sick and need hospitalization, but there wouldn't be enough capacity for them. The way to better manage this, well, let me just say, you you end up with not enough capacity to care for the elderly, and if you get full of cases with coronavirus, then you also crowd out all your other capacity to care for all the other people who need your services, you know, like people who have heart attacks, people who are being treated for cancer, and the, the things that we care for on a daily basis. And so by slowing the slowing the spread of the disease down, it enables us to what we call flatten the curve. It slows down the progress, and it, and it enables the healthcare workforce to better manage people who are getting sick. And, they, and make no mistake, it is spreading. Um, and, and I'll say this, you know, what, it, it's a new virus. It's a new illness. So there's, there's still a lot we don't know about it. We've learned that people over the age of 60 are very susceptible, and the mortality is, is fairly high for people that are over the age of 60, particularly as you get up to the age of 80 and over. Um, while the mortality is low for people that are younger, we don't know the long-term effects of this disease. It's a, it's a lower respiratory disease. It affects your lungs. And so it, people should not be complacent. There's still a lot we don't know about it. And the best thing we can do for everyone, whether you're 10 years old or 90, is prevent you from getting it. And, and that's why all this is happening. And, and I, I, I know it's uncomfortable, and I know people are upset about it. I'm not too happy about it either. But I'd rather, in, in two months from now, I'd rather people look back and say that, you know, we overreacted, then look back and say we should have done something to prevent all these people from being affected by it. And the reality is, I mean, the point is for us in two months to be able to look back and say, wow, that turned out to be nothing. I mean, that's the point. By doing all this gets us to a place where you don't have a massive spread, then then that, that's, that's called success. And, uh, you know, while athletics is important and competitiveness is important, nothing's more important than the health of our athletes and the health of our spectators. And that's, that's uh, at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. Alan, Mike Gallagher, I think there's going to be some that look at this set of circumstances and say, why didn't some of these athletic organizations go with their original plan of playing in front of empty arenas? Why was that enough? In your estimation, why was that not enough? And did the NCAA, just to relate it back to what we talk about here on Santos and the Sidekick, not have any other choice? Well, I, I, can't, uh, I can't speculate about what went into their deliberations. 
Uh, I was surprised that they canceled the tournaments altogether. The, the only thing I can conclude based on what I understand about public health is any type of gathering is 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 not not necessarily good. And when you put a bunch of athletes together in, in, a, in a place and they're that close and they're having that kind of contact, you're potentially you're potentially exposing them to to spreading the disease. And so I think I think again I, I, I don't I don't want to speculate about their deliberations. Um, I, I, I think that that's probably why, but I can't say that for sure. Alan, back uh, here with Jay. Just quick question I, and sort of a follow-up to that. I feel like that sort of what we saw in the NBA, and the NBA sort of got things going because they had a player that did test positive, and it seems like because the symptoms aren't showing up as quickly as others, it could take a while to show up, that it's almost like playing, and this may be a bad term, but Russian roulette because you could, let's say we went and played an empty arena, and I'd be one of the people that were there, and then somebody contracted, not know it. I get it. I go back, you know, my 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 dad and then my in-laws, the, the grandparents of my kids, you know, who are over the age of 60, always come over. I have a chance of spreading to them or at church or anything like that. And that's sort of how this thing has taken hold. Is that is that correct or how you understand it? That, that's right. I mean, from a, just purely from the standpoint of epidemiology, which is which is a science, you can expect this thing to double in, 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 in total numbers. You can expect a doubling over a six-day period. And so, you know, the, and there's been so few tests that there's probably a lot of people that, are have, that have it that don't realize it. But, Jay, what you just described is exactly how it happens. And that's how it gets out of control. And that's why, that's exactly why you do everything you can to minimize the exposure because you can have people for a 14-day period that are very infectious that don't know it. And and by the time you've had contact with all the people you're going to have contact with, you could have infected, you know, a dozen or two dozen people. And then those people are out there infecting people. And that, that, this is the best way. What we know from history is you stop it at, at, as far upstream as you can. And and this is it seems extreme I know but it, it is it is how it is how you do this and if you look at Italy I mean I if you I would say to your listeners you know go go online and Google a little bit about what's going on in Italy Italy has a very good healthcare system and it's a very advanced system but it's collapsing under the weight of all this and the worst thing that can happen is that we overwhelm the healthcare system because then you you can't help people. Um, and and so I will I will view this as a, as a success if we get to a point where where the healthcare system doesn't get taxed and and we're, we have we're able to get through this with a manageable uh, capacity. I think that one of the things that people compare this to instantly is the flu and some of the things over my lifetime that have come up that seem similar to at least the layman are. Bird flu, swine flu, mad cow disease. Where does this rank or where does it compare to something like that? Obviously, there's um, a lot of things to take into consideration when you're comparing infectious diseases, and there's going to be a lot of intricacies that I don't think people like me will understand. But just the overarching high-level view of where this ranks in comparison to those. Well, that's a, Jay, that's a really great question, and it's probably the most important thing 
or one of the most important pieces of misinformation that's out there. This is not the flu. You know, with the flu, we, 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 we have an understanding of what the numbers are. We have vaccines. When people are vaccinated, we, we, we have an understanding of, of what to expect with the flu season. It's true that the, the rate of death with the flu is relatively low. Um, but although there certainly a, a, tens of thousands of people die every year from the flu, but this is not the flu. This is a novel virus. This is a new virus. We don't know a lot about the long-term effects of it. We do know that if you are elderly or if you have co-conditions, comorbidities, if you have asthma or other respiratory conditions, you are much more susceptible to a bad outcome. And the mortality is higher than the flu for that population. And so, you know, again, when you're dealing with a new virus, you don't know enough about it at the front stages of it. And, and so you know, we don't know if you if a child gets it or if a young adult gets it, we don't know what the long-term effects of it are because it is new. And so that's you know I think once there's a vaccine for it, then it's then we're right back where we are with the flu, where it's more manageable and we understand what we're dealing with. But right now, no one is immune to this. So there, 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 because it's a novel virus, there is no immunity. We're all susceptible to catching it. And, and so the only thing we can do is try to maintain the capacity of our healthcare system and our healthcare workers. So some of the things Ballot is doing and other hospital systems are doing is we're, we're going to be imposing some restrictions on visitations to the hospitals and to nursing homes um, because we want to protect our healthcare manpower. We don't want our nurses and doctors uh, getting sick and not coming to work because we need them. Uh, we're setting up, uh, we, we set up, a, a, and I think we, we'll talk about this more, but rather than everybody coming to the urgent care or the ER if they have symptoms, we are setting up alternative places for people to go, which will help mitigate uh, the exposure to our team members, to our healthcare workforce, so that, again, we can, we can protect our healthcare workforce so they can be there for us if we need them. But uh, it's not the flu, and, and it's a mistake to compare it to the flu. Last one from me, Alan, and I'm not asking for hard numbers or anything like that for you to give away any secrets, but have you seen a greater influx over the last week or so of coronavirus patients, or is it a situation at this moment where we've obviously all been lucky enough, uh, or the majority of Americans to be lucky enough not to have to do that, but the goal is to minimize in the upcoming weeks? You know, I, the, the answer is no. We have, here in our region, we have not seen we, – we, we have a case that was positive, but we have not seen a huge influx. Um, and and this, this sort of gets to – you know, Dr. Noland and the leadership of ETSU had to make a difficult decision this week, which was to send the students home for spring break and to, and to not have them come back. And, and part of why that decision – actually, the reason that decision was made – because we have not had a major spread of the illness in our region, if you send all these students away for spring break and they go who knows where, you don't know what they're bringing back with them. And so the, the decision to not have the students come back from spring break was absolutely the right decision. And I applaud Dr. Noland and the board of ETSU for making that decision because that's the type of thing that will contain, that's the type of thing that is protecting all of the spectators that, that may be upset about all this, um, those are the decisions that keep the people here safe. And, and so uh, I also, I think there's probably more likely we'll see it in the urban areas before it comes to our area. Um, but 
everything we're doing now is designed to protect us and, and the people that live here, and it's designed to prepare our system to serve people who will need our care if it does uh, does come to us. And, Alan, just one more thing, because it came to mind as you were talking about kind of the life cycle of this. It is just very difficult to determine how long this is going to take to resolve itself, correct? Because it is a novel virus, as you said? Yeah, that's correct. You know, with uh, you know, most viruses don't like warm weather uh, or, or humidity. So I'm, so I'm hoping that we'll see as the weather warms up, I'm hoping we will see a decline in the, in the spread. Although if you look at what's going on in Florida, I, I'm not too hopeful because they're still seeing a spread and it's obviously very humid and warm in Florida. But uh, I think it, it, we're looking at probably 12 months before there's a vaccine. Um, I know they're working very diligently to try to come up with a vaccine for it, um, it or some antivirals that uh, that help mitigate the the uh, the, the, the uh, impact of the illness if you do get it. So between the, the work that's being done to develop antivirals or vaccines or and vaccines, I mean th- those are the two things that I think will help. And the faster those can get to market, the better. But I think we're looking at. Um, you know, if you can stamp it out early and, and slow the spread, then my hunch is that for the next year we're going to be sort of trying to uh, contain it. Alan, this is uh, the last question. Again, we're talking to Alan Levine, the CEO of Ballot Health. And, Alan, we, you mentioned it earlier. I, I told you ahead of time I wanted to get as much information. I feel like we're doing a disservice if we don't try to help you get the message out. And I know the big thing, at least that I paid attention to, in the last couple of news cycles is not to rush to the emergency room to overwhelm healthcare systems. So you guys have been working to put something in place. What should somebody do if they feel like they're having symptoms, don't understand the symptoms? What can they do to try to help keep, again, the healthcare system kind of working properly, not to overwhelm it? So you know, if, you, if you have the coronavirus, um, you will likely be experiencing fever, cough, and shortness of breath. If you have mild symptoms, what we would ask you to do is stay home. If you stay home and call 833-822-5523. That's our nurse. Uh, that's our nurse assist number, and we have nurses and doctors 24/7. Um, prepared to take those calls, they will do an assessment of you on the phone. And if they believe your symptoms are consistent with the coronavirus, then they will refer you for a test. And we are setting up testing centers that we will refer you to where you won't even have to get out of your car. Now, what we will likely do is it's more likely that you may have a more standard virus. that's already out in the, in, the, in the population, or you may have the flu, we're going to test you for those things. And if we determine you have one of those things, then you, don't, you, you clearly would not have the coronavirus. Um, but we'll also test you for the coronavirus. But the, if, you ha- if you're experiencing mild symptoms, stay home and call that number, and we will guide you with what to do. If you are having major symptoms, if you're in a high-risk category and you are having major symptoms, then, then go to your closest emergency department. Um, if you decide you don't want to call that number um, and you, you want to go to your own doctor or to an urgent care, then we would ask you to call in advance. Call your doctor or call the urgent care in advance. 
what you can expect is that once you've called them, they're going to be waiting for you. When you get there, they are going to put a mask on you, and they're going to put you in a room. And that's designed to protect you and to protect them. So in, in the event you do have this, this uh, uh, infectious illness. And so uh, those are the three options you have. Call 833-822-5523 and let a nurse and physician guide you through the process. If you have major symptoms, go to the ER. If you don't want to do either of those two things, call your doctor or call an urgent care in advance and let them know you're coming. And 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 uh, and then you know what to expect. They're going to put a mask on you, and they're going to immediately try to isolate you. And those are the three options. And and uh, and look, at the end of the day, I hope nobody has to deal with this. But if if they do, you know, our our partners at Ballot Health and and the health departments, we're here to try to provide the best care we can, and you can count on that. Uh, that's all of these steps that we're taking are designed to protect our healthcare workforce so they can be there for you if you do catch this and if you do need uh, treatment. And one last thing I'll say, right now there's no reason to cancel. If you have elective procedures uh, scheduled, if you have surgery scheduled, there's really no reason not to go forward with it. There's no risk to you that's greater than than, than not doing it. So uh, I, what I would tell you is, you know, if you do need if you have scheduled procedures done at the hospital or with your doctor, it's okay to go forward with those. At the point where we think it's not, we will certainly communicate that. All right, Alan, we appreciate it. Uh, again, you're a busy man. This was short notice. I appreciate you taking the time. I think it was very important to get this message out and do what we can to educate the athletic fans. We'll certainly uh, put the phone number up, the website, all that stuff you gave us so that folks have it ready at their fingertip on social media. Thank you again, Alan. Sure things. Go Bucks. All right, that's Alan Levine. And we'll step aside. We'll come back. More San Jose Sidekick after this on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. the sidekick back and somebody that's been gracious with his time all year along with us and obviously in a very difficult situation this week has been nice enough to come on with us again um, and I'm sure Patrick Good before we get to the negative I'd like to focus on the positive I'm sure you do have a ton of conflicting emotions right now but I, I am a positive guy want to always see things through blue and gold sunglasses and just the last six weeks for you personally and obviously the team, but throw in the personal things that you've had over the last six weeks, obviously your first child, and then you come back to basketball, and once that's all been wrapped up, you just start to absolutely pour it on. You have those seven threes against Western Carolina to clinch the regular season championship solo after getting at least a share at Wofford, and then you go on and really dominate the Southern Conference Tournament. There wasn't a game that was really close. I think the stat was over the last, like, 60 combined minutes of game action in those three games, opponents were within double digits for, like, 16 seconds or something Jeez. just absurd. Yeah. I mean, outrageous. So 
complete dominance there. Get to have your moment, climb the ladder, cut down the net, celebrate with your teammates. Obviously, things over the last 24 hours or so have taken a drastic turn. But before these last 24 hours, just describe to me these last six weeks for you. Uh, I would say the last six weeks have been an ultimate blessing just because obviously the season is a very long season and, and obviously you have roller coasters just like obviously starting half of the season and then getting taken out of the starting lineup and stuff like that. And um, obviously the the past six weeks, like you said, the the birth of my daughter, it was, it was just um, it was just the energy and, and the confidence that I needed to, just to get over the hump because um, – Obviously, like I said, the season's a long season. You just—it's just sometimes you just need a new, a new life, new energy, and and, and I felt like that's what she gave me. But uh, I would say the last, the past two, three weeks have been uh, remarkable. I mean, you couldn't—I don't think anybody could script it as as well as it's been scripted. I mean, um, obviously losing against Mercer at home, which was very unexpected for us, and uh, just to just to go out on the winning streak that we went out and, and how we did it. Obviously, every game wasn't a um, a double-digit win. Every game we weren't up at halftime. Every game um, we didn't have all our players. And and I knew once uh, when Romy got hurt and we were still winning some games, I knew that we were going to spe- uh, be special. Obviously, when I missed the game at Mercer, we won. I knew we were going to be special. When Bo missed at VMI, I knew we were going to be special just because – Everybody knew when their time was to go out there that that they were um, capable of of helping the team and, and, and making a couple plays to to help us win. I mean, at UNCG, Joe um, he led us in, in scoring, made some big plays for us. Uh, I think Charlie got a put back. He got a put back at a VMI. Obviously, his minutes weren't what he probably expected them to be, but he never he never complained. And when his time was called he was ready to go up there and, and, and make plays and, and in the BMI game I said because uh, we were without Bo and we were we had Bonnie at the four me, Bun, me Pun Davian and Trey uh, that was our one through five lineup so obviously at, with the rebounding it was kind of not where it uh, needed to be and, and when he came in the game I said I need every single rebound and he, he got us a, a big putback rebound to kind of put us ahead and then we uh, myself Davian and Trey hit the free throws to kind of take us over the hump but just to know how we adversity hit, and and, and I think that just made us closer. And you don't have too many teams who can do that. It's usually uh, the ones that separate them apart or or kind of divide uh, the team. But it, it kind of it's like we just embraced it every single day because we knew it was coming. And I would give the uh, that credit to Coach Forbes and the staff just knowing uh, what to what to put us through in practice and stuff like that. Just because obviously practice for us is way harder than the games and I feel like if we can accomplish anything in practice then anything <clears throat> that's thrown at us in the games is, is going to be I wouldn't say easy but it's going to be conquerable and, and I feel like that's what we were able to do each and every night do you remember the last eight minutes of the Western Carolina game like some people say in a situation like that they just black out they have to go back and watch it to actually see what happened do you recollect that in a way that you can repeat now like what was that feeling over those eight minutes uh, I would say, well, I, I actually rewatched it twice, and I watch a lot of basketball. Um, obviously, NBA, college, high school, and with me rewatching the game and knowing, already knowing the outcome, I'm like, there's no way they can come back. <laughs> like, if I was watching the game, I'm like, there's no way they can come back, and I would have probably flipped the channel. Which I'm, I'm sure. I mean, if it 
it's people who are watching on ESPN Plus, they're probably thinking the same thing. I mean, you're down seven with 147 to go, and we trailed the whole game, uh, like you said, with eight minutes. But I I would just say it was it was a dream come true just because when, you, when you're in the gym shooting by yourself, obviously you can run off uh, maybe eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 in a row. Right. But to but to be able to do it in a game on senior night at the end of the season, last home game for the conference uh, championship with everything on the line, and, and to be able to do it, it just meant so much more. Because obviously, if you're shooting in the gym by yourself, there's no pressure. I mean, you can miss 50 in a row and nobody will say anything to you. But um, just to be able to succeed at that high level, uh, that on that stage, and and everything that was riding on that game and just to be able to conquer that and and to know that nobody can ever take that away from us um i would just say it was it was probably my best basketball moment and probably the best basketball moment that i'll ever have obviously if i could do it again next year i mean i would love to do that but just everything that was at stake and everything that we had to uh to lose obviously you don't want to share you don't want to be coach champions because that gives Furman a chance to to get their ring sizes and stuff like that and and coach would always say be selfish in in a good way Obviously, uh, I felt like our team was egoless, but um, we ju- we just wanted it all for ourselves. And and like I said, adversity was. Hit. I mean, the refs weren't. Uh, we weren't getting any, really any calls going our way. And uh, Joe got a technical. Uh, Lucas fouled out, had five fouls. Bo had four fouls. Trey had four fouls, and Punt had four fouls. So I mean, that's that's five. Uh, that's four of the five starters with more than four fouls. Obviously, Davian don't play no defense, so he wasn't in foul trouble. <laughs> but um, I would just say, just the adversity that that we fought through in that game, and just how bad we wanted it, and we how bad to to cut down the nets at your home arena on senior night for this uh, the conference championship. Not too many teams get to do that. And Coach Forbes said when he was at Wichita, that was his best home uh moment when he was at Wichita obviously they had the perfect season and stuff like that but just to know that you could uh do that at at home and in front of Johnson City in front of my family friends everybody else's family and friends that came in for senior night it was just a remarkable experience so I'm glad I was able to be a part of it and and to be able to make that happen with my performance looking back at your life from growing up to David Crockett High School to Appalachian State to making the decision to come back home, could you ever have envisioned not only that moment but a season like this and doing it in the jersey that you did it in? When I came back to ETSU, I told Coach Forrest that I wanted to win a championship. Obviously, when I was at App State my freshman year, they won the SoCon championship. So if I would have came to ETSU, I would have had two championships already. But that just wasn't the route that uh, that I took. And when I came back home, the conversation that I had was like, I just want to win. I said, I want to. I'll do whatever I have to do to win. And I felt like the the red shirt season um, it just gave me a chance to mature and and kind of just get a uh, get a better look at what the co- how the coaches were and and the dynamic of the teams and just what the coaches wanted on and off the court. I, I mean, I would consider. I would say Joe's more of a, a vocal leader, and I'm more of a kind of do-it guy leader and kind of just IQ guy leader and kind of just um, just trying to keep everybody on task, keep everybody in the right positions and stuff like that, and just kind of being that, that vocal leader that the team needs. But um, I just knew I wanted to win so bad, and, and obviously when he recruited me and gave me the chance, uh, and said he gave me the chance to, to come back home, he said that, 
that I, he told me two things that I'll be able to graduate, which I knew that was gonna happen either way, and that we would be able to play for a championship. And I mean, he he has kept his word. I mean, obviously, if he wouldn't have won a championship, I wouldn't have considered that as a lie because obviously that would have been more up to us than anything. But just for him to uh, to have that faith in me and um, and and our team and the team that we have, just to have that faith in the team that uh, that they recruited and just getting us all together and on the same page. Not too many teams really do that, but um, I'm sure people have seen the picture with me and Coach Forbes hugging and, and, and emotional at the end. <clears throat> and I uh, told him, I said, thank you for um, believing in me and just giving me an opportunity to do this. I, I told him that that performance was for him. I mean, I, and then uh, I told him that we've both been through a lot, obviously with his father passing uh, last year around the same time. And... Um, Obviously, like the birth of my daughter and the roller coaster of the season and stuff like that, we've just been through a lot. And I told him, um, you don't have too many coaches that will still want you to go out there and, and, and shoot shoot the ball, shots that I shot. But he never said anything about my shooting. He just told me to keep shooting. So, I mean, I give I really all the credit for him just for believing in me because that goes a long way. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it was just a remarkable experience. Is this the tightest team that – you've been around and if so what makes this group so close you've been around a lot of teams at a lot of levels what do you think gels about this group what makes the chemistry special because truly it seems like while ETSU has had some very good teams in the very recent memory it doesn't seem like anyone's united around a love for each other like you guys did I would say last year kind of brought us together for this year just because the season that we went through, we were 24-10. and 10 and A really good team in its own right. Exactly, right. And just the way that we lost, we lost those close games. We, I wouldn't say we were more of a selfish team, but I felt like we just weren't as connected as we needed to be. I felt like that adverse, when that adversity hit, we kind of just um, divided, and I would give that uh, – I would blame that on myself just because to credit yourself as a leader, you have to – be a leader when things are good and when things are bad, obviously. But um, last year, we just knew we didn't want to go through that again. Obviously, um, having some adding some new guys to the team, but it was it was the right new guys. It wasn't guys that were okay. Well, I want to um, get my get my shine, get my shots and stuff like that. I feel like for the most part, everybody came uh, kept their same role on the team, and we just added Joe, obviously, as a stretch forward, kind of a vocal leader, kind of a hard worker type type role and then you have Vonnie who's just just a very tough physical guy um wants to win I mean he's came he came from a a, a winning Juco program uh, uh obviously with Romy having his injury and just just having the motivation and and the determination to to get back I mean obviously he missed the 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 good chunk of the season I'm sure he missed maybe 14 or 15 games something around there but just to know that he could have easily saved himself up and and got ready for his professional career but he came back with a couple games left because he knew the difference that he can make from our team and and just to know that he took that sacrifice of putting himself in jeopardy of getting hurt again or not just being as healthy just shows the commitment uh one through 13 and i mean you don't really have that on too many teams i feel like um some guys don't they're not really team oriented but when we came together and established our identity for, uh, our, our identity for the team we just said that we just wanted to win no matter how we would, uh 
what we needed to do and how we were going to get it done. We just knew that we had to get it done. And I would definitely say this is probably the closest team that I'll ever be a part of just because you have to have some selfless guys that can give their role up for the team and would do things to just win. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about winning. And everybody's not going to be happy, but if you're winning, then it, then I feel like everybody if everybody gets a part of that, but um, definitely the tightest team I've, I've been around. You win the title on Monday. And Tuesday, I'm sure, real joyous and happy and cloud nine, right? Like, just feeling unbelievable. And then Wednesday comes around, and you're still riding a high, but some things kind of start to change on Wednesday night when Rudy Gobert is diagnosed with coronavirus, and you start to see on Thursday morning some conference tournaments get canceled. What was going through your mind during that 24-hour period from when Rudy Gobert was diagnosed with coronavirus, the NBA suspended their season up until kind of mid-afternoon before the NCAA made their move? I would say when I first heard, uh, when I first seen the news on the TV screen, I wouldn't say it was surprising. I would say more so that it was kind of just a matter of time. Just because those players travel so much and they're in different cities um, a couple times a week and just I mean the fans that they have at their game and stuff like that but just to know that his um health was in jeopardy and then for them to cancel and postpone the game after all the fans and stuff like that instead of just playing I knew that was a big step that the NBA took and it was just a matter of time when the NCAA was going to I mean both of those are probably the most uh financially invested uh businesses in the in the sports industry and just to know that obviously the coronavirus is kind of or they say that the older you get the more it is to affect but if as as younger young men and young women if you're we're typically around elderly people and we don't want to put their life in jeopardy so it's just something that that the NBA did a great job of uh suspending their season for I think it said maybe about 30 days but once the NBA took the uh took the rain and kind of said we're going to shut this down for the time being. I knew the NCAA was going to um do the same thing. I didn't expect as soon as it was, but it was just one of those things cuz I know that they said that we would have played without fans, which would have been a little awkward, but it would have been way more it would have been way more to to suit it up with my teammates one more time with fans or or, or not fans. So just to know that the situation could always be a lot worse. So we really, as people, we really can't take anything for granted just because going into that Monday night and winning the game, all of us expected to have another opportunity to lace it up at practice, to lace it up in front of the fans again, and just to know that it can easily be taken away from you, whether whether good or bad, you just can't really take anything for granted. But I'm... I, I wouldn't say I disagree with the NCAA because um, they're doing they're doing what's best for us as a nation and us as a world. You just have to keep that in the back of your mind. Obviously, March Madness and and the NBA is a, is a big part of, especially around this time. But then again, you have to keep in mind about other people's families and and stuff like that. And you just wanna you just want everybody to be healthy. But and and they just feel like this is the best route that they have to go and. At the end of the day, 
we had to um, reflect and just kind of, like I said, when adversity hits, just keep moving. I mean, obviously, it's an, an emotional time. I think yesterday our team kind of just let it all out on social media, and it was just one of those things where everybody was just showing their appreciation. And I know I tweeted uh, that I was heartbroken, and I truly I truly was heartbroken just because the 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 team dynamic that we had the season that we had it was just like a it was just like a movie producer scripted it and just kind of let us be the actors and just go out there it was it was just one of those things just one of those feelings that everything kind of just clicked in our favor i mean we just had so much uh positivity around the the locker room throughout the whole season um obviously going to Kansas, beating LSU and just reflecting on the season. It was kind of just, I know, I, I know I was emotional when I was scrolling through, uh, my pictures last night. It just like pictures that I was going to post on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. Just because that I know I won't get to lace, uh, with this specific group up again. It kind of just hit home and kind of, I mean, it'll settle in a little bit more as time goes on. But I wouldn't take any of this. I wouldn't have changed anything. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have wanted to go thirty four and oh. I mean that would have been as crazy as it sounds, that would have been more special. But the losses uh taught us just as more than than the wins have because when when we did lose, we knew what we had to do so we didn't get two or three losses in a row. Because, I mean for the segment I think we won maybe six games, lost the next one. Six games, lost the next one. And just to know that when we the time came around again, and we won six in a row, and then we played Furman, and Coach Savage sent us a text and was just like, are we going to get over the hump, or is this going to be our six win in a row mark and then another loss? And then we got over the hump, and we just haven't looked back ever since. It seems like there were three options, and the initial one obviously was play without fans in the building, which, as you said, would have been kind of awkward, but you're still out there with your guys in an NCAA tournament and really a – once-in-a-lifetime type thing, right? I, I don't imagine that they're going to go to a fanless tournament again anytime soon, and obviously they didn't this time around either. So it was that. You could postpone the tournament and go in April or May, and then the other option was what they ultimately decided to do and cancel the tournament altogether. I know the competitor in you and the buck in you wants to be out there and, and be with your guys, so those first two options sound better. Ultimately, what are your feelings on those three options? I would say how how they did them in that order, in that specific order, obviously saying without fans and then postponing and then canceling because um, I would say it's just a difficult situation to, to look at just because of how fast it's spread uh, in the world. I mean, I know Jalen McLeod is overseas and TJ Cromer and they're in a very, very different situation where they can barely leave their home. Mm. And I th- that's what we're trying to prevent over here in the United States and hopefully in, in, in other countries in the world as well. So I felt like this is the only way to, to do so is <clears throat> by canceling that. But, I mean, it, like you said, as a competitor, you I mean, you'll do anything. You, you'll go out there and play with no fans, a, a thousand fans. You'll do whatever you have to. But just to know that's not an option. And once you realize that it's out of your control, then it just it just kind of makes everything a lot better in a sense just because <clears throat> there's nothing that we could do about it. But then again, you look back at the season and we can't say that we let anything bring us down, Any no negativity or um, 
anything of that nature. And we just kind of, we'll just kind of look back on this and just say the question will always be what if or what it, what would have been. But then again, you like I said, you have to keep in mind uh, and keeping your thoughts and prayers of those families who have lost people to this virus. And um, just hopefully that they <clears throat> find a cure and then that the um, that it just settles down throughout the whole world. I mean, obviously, it's it would be different if it was just in one single country or continent. But just to know that it's spreading around the world is kind of just hard to grasp um, the whole dynamic of what is actually going on. What is the hardest part for you? Is it that what if that will always be there? Is it the fact that? you can't go out there with your guys one more time is it the fact that it was all out of your control like so often in fact almost every single season we can point to ends on its own volition right you either win out and win it all which you did in your conference title or you lose and that's finality but the fact that there is no finality which of all those stands out as the hardest for you i would say me and bo actually joked about it we were just like we would have rather lost our last game. But then again, if you look at it and reflect, you're like, we wouldn't have, then we wouldn't have been able to cut down those nets. <clears throat> Not a lot of teams get to say they won their last game. Right, exactly. But I would say, I would definitely say for myself personally, it'll always be that what if. Because you just look at that banner in uh, <clears throat> Gordon Ball <clears throat> and inside Freedom Hall and just be like, what if? What if we could have just played one game in the NCAA tournament? But <clears throat> I'm... Me personally, and I know my teammates, <clears throat> they're not going to let that affect how they are when they uh, become a dad and when they become um, the owner of their own business and stuff like that just because of how we handle diversity throughout the season. And they will be able to remember those moments when diversity hit uh, hardest and just the um, of overcoming the game at Wofford, um, the game against Western Carolina when we <clears throat> were on the road at UNCG. And just and and just everything of that, uh, the dynamic of the season, you can just replay it in your head, and 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 you'll find a way, and you'll find comfort, and just be like, when adversity hits, that anything's possible. Because if you can do it on the basketball court, you can definitely do it in life. And coach, um, he just we after our team meeting, he just emphasized to to keep the bond that we have, and and to never let that die away, which I know we won't because. We have um, so much genuine and sincere love for one another, and we want to see each other succeed in, in, in so many ways more than basketball. But um, definitely that what if. But then again, you can't you can't live that way. You kind of just have to let it go and just um, obviously not now because it's it's it hasn't Still really do, set, yeah. yeah it hasn't settled in a hundred percent. But I know like when I when I'm able to have. Um, Grandchildren, or or just to be able to go talk to to different uh, kids at school, or or whatever um, I'll do in my future. Um, <clears throat> I know I, I'll definitely emphasize to not take anything for granted, um, just because it can be taken away at any given time. But I wouldn't have changed anything. I know you're just coming from that team meeting, which I'm assuming is the last time that this group is going to be together in a team setting. What was the mood and tenor of that conversation like, and um, how do you come out of that room feeling? At first, uh, the team meeting started off with a video uh, with the one shining moment song that that's played at the NCAA tournament. Which I mean, I'm an emotional I'm an emotional guy in general. I mean, 
my friends and my family could probably tell you that. But just like, for example, at senior night, just hearing Coach Forbes describe each of the five seniors and, and how they've changed and transformed. I mean, he hit it right on the head, and it kind of just got me caught up in emotions and um, just just realizing and just how thankful that, that I am f- to be in those guys' life. And uh, obviously with Pun being my roommate and stuff like that and just seeing Trey transform and then obviously – Luke being away from his family from the Netherlands and just seeing his family come back and interact with uh, with us and, and just feeling like they're at home and just so excited to see their brother. Obviously, with Romy going through everything he's been through these last three years, having a, a shoulder labrum surgery and then a foot surgery and just being the competitor that he is. And then Joe coming from uh, his situation from last year of being on a, a losing program and then coming to us and just showing how dedicated he was to winning and uh, just everybody's personality off the court as well. Um, it just <clears throat> uh, you you really couldn't have scripted it even be- any better. But the the team dynamic was definitely uh, I felt like it was a good mood around the whole locker room. Just because uh, we wouldn't have like I said like I've said multiple times we wouldn't have changed anything. Obviously that what if factor is always going to be there, but. Coach uh, got his message across to kind of just uh, being able to, to, to move forward and just to know how uh, special that our team was. And like you said, not many teams win their last game. And just to be able to do that is kind of remarkable and, and ended on the winning streak that we ended on and kind of just making history, uh, being the first team in SoCon history to go into the tournament with 30 wins and then obviously being having the most wins at, at ETSU. So, uh if a team comes through and, and breaks that record, I hope that hope that they know if they would have gave us an extra chance that it would have been a, a hard record to break. But uh, with all due respect to the teams before us, I mean, I feel like we just they set that standard so high, and and to be able to to reach a standard that you think cannot be reached is kind of just remarkable when you actually go out there and and do that for the whole season like we did. <clears throat> I know I speak for everybody in the athletic department that you guys gave us an unbelievable four months. So happy to have been a very small part of it as all of us were to watch you guys come together and go through this season and accomplish such amazing things and be such a tight group was incredible. And I know I speak for all of Buck Nation and just thanking you, Pat, for everything you did for this, giving the moments that you did, pouring your energy into this, even while you had a very um, unique situation in terms of in-season. Not a lot of collegiate athletes have to uh, go through, you know, bringing a child up in the world while they're in the middle of a season. Uh, for everything you gave us this year, thank you to this team that you helped lead. Thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back. And congratulations on what was a truly unbelievable and unforgettable year. Thank you. I would uh, I would like to end the this show on just – I just want to thank everybody with – John, from Johnson City, ETSU fans, and people who have just reached out and just have um, loved me as an individual these past two or three years. Obviously, I mean, like I said, it's been it's been an unbelievable roller coaster. I mean, obviously, from having a red shirt to having hip surgery to having a daughter, and then the situation that we're going through now, it's just been an emotional um, an emotional roller coaster. But just just to know that the fans have always been bought in and that they have showed ultimate complete genuine sincere love from from everybody on our team from the coaches and just to know that Freedom Hall I mean that's probably the I mean we've played in Kansas but Freedom Hall definitely 
has a special place in my heart just because not even because I'm from here just because of the dedication that you guys show for every single home game and even in Asheville I mean I would have hated to play against us in in the Asheville SoCon tournament just because it was a home game for us and I mean not too many teams I mean even Duke and, and North Carolina fans don't really travel that well to Greensboro I mean to just know that how dedicated y'all were to to seeing us succeed and and when y'all were even there to to pick us up when we lost it was just one of those unique situations and I mean I'm speaking for people for myself specifically but I know people on the team feel this way too that you guys are the the best fans in the country and I I think one this this chip on my shoulder is kind of just to emphasize that we have unfinished business for um next year and in the future and I mean we want to hopefully uh win another championship next year and and just to know that that we really appreciate you guys especially through this hard time with the messages on Twitter and the, and the text messages and the phone calls and stuff like that obviously I know this is very difficult on y'all but it is it, it's, it's way more difficult on us as well just because we're going through it but um you guys you guys give us hope and give us energy and you give us uh passion to to want to be as great as as the 90 team and and just being able to go out there and, and play in front of you guys is truly a blessing each and every night and um I know I want to say thank you and 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 guys on the team want to want to do the same and just give our respects to to everybody who has supported us throughout the season and just to have that chip on your shoulder as well and and when things get hard just just hit adversity head on and um at the end of the day just just say your prayers and say go bucks and then just keep it moving pat good well said talk to you soon okay yes sir go bucks patrick good send us in the sidekick buccaneer sports network An inside look at buccaneer basketball is back this winter with the etsu radio coaches show Monday nights all season long, Steve Forbes and Brittany Azell join Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz live from Wild Wing Cafe at 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. It's a 6 o'clock start as Forbes and Azell field your questions, reflect on results, and preview upcoming action. The ETSU Radio Coaches Show every Wednesday at 6 right here on WXSMAM 640, The Sports Monster. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes to New England and get released by New England and go to online college, you're crazy. The AAF is a juggernaut. It's only a matter of time before it overtakes the NFL. You really think the NFL and Roger Goodell is going to let Josh Gordon back in? I mean, it's obvious. Fletcher McGee is getting drafted, maybe even in the first round. No, 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 no. I've got plenty of sources more than you, Mike, in Knoxville. Rick Barnes is no way considering that UCLA job. Bold predictions. All right, our final bold predictions, and this is the only time you're going to hear me up because I believe we have the term winner, winner, chicken dinner, and it is not the guy who's going to talk right now. Well, it's a tough day for me. It's been a tough... Woo! 24, 48 hours, and let's go. The least of which has been this, but at this, this time, is, this, this is the ultimate big. kick in the teeth, yeah, isn't it? This this feels big to me right now. 
Um, I think I entered with 17 correct. You entered with 19 correct. We filled out brackets for a tournament that did end up finishing, the Southern Conference Men's Basketball Tournament. Now, to pull the curtain back a little bit, we basically had the same bracket. And then Which we was like, fine with me because I had a two-game lead. Yeah, and, and we were both like, oh, to put a little drama into it, let's each flip a pick just to make it interesting so it's not like, okay, I can't make up any ground. And, 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 in, and in fairness, I said flip a pick because I knew the worst I could do was tie, and then you threw a curveball at me. Yeah, and so then I decided because I needed to make up ground that I would flip one more pick, even though I knew VMI was going to crush Sanford. I took Sanford. Not right. Jay Sando stuck with VMI. We both took Wofford. In that Wofford Citadel game, that obviously went how it did. I did take Chattanooga. That was my flip that we agreed on. I will never take him. And that was correct. Uh, we both took Furman to get to the championship game. That didn't work out. Uh, the flip that you had was going to Western Carolina. Home fans, that was brilliant. And I had Mercer, and so another one wrong for me and another one right for you. And we had ETSU going to the championship and winning it. We did get that correct uh, as a whole. But at the end of the day, you add it all up, I got – what four wrong and you got two wrong is that right am i looking at that right yeah four and two or you yeah. got you got three technically because firm and you count twice because we had him going to the oh, championship so you got three wrong i got four wrong so i get five correct you get six correct so that puts you up to 25 me only to 22 now we did do two other bold predictions because again i was trying to find any possible way to scrap and claw my way back into this i took north carolina over duke and in that bold prediction i offered to you the theory that if north carolina beat duke and then made a run to the acc championship game could they be an at-large and you were extremely dismissive no you said there's no chance no not even considered <clears throat> no if that ever happens the ncaa is off their rocker well we didn't ever have to find out because north carolina not only got beat by duke they also got absolutely undressed by was it syracuse they yes. were the it was bottom like 35 seed. or something. Yeah, North Carolina was the bottom seed, and Syracuse absolutely crushed them. So not only did I get that wrong, but also insult to injury. Why did I ever even bring up the fact that possibly North Carolina could be an at-large? Now, I did see a tweet yesterday that said, North Carolina is in a pretty good position, and quoted a ESPN analyst. And I was like, good position, yes, to make a run at that at-large. Anyway, didn't happen. Uh, you said that ETSU, during the men's basketball tournament, would have three leading scores and rebounders. And I tell you, you came pretty close. Close. I knew I was close. Davian Williamson, leading scorer in both the VMI and the Western Carolina game. That hurt you. Then Isaiah Tisdale, of course, against Wofford with his amazing day where he had 24 points on eight shots. So right there, you're done. But you look at rebounders, and it was Tisdale against VMI. Against Western Carolina, it was shared between Luke, Bo, and Trey Boyd. And then for the Wofford game, it was, it was uh, Bo Hodges. So Bo Hodges for two of the games, Tisdale for another, but – Honestly, if you would have had a different leading score for either the VMI or Western Carolina game, and it came down to will the prediction be correct, and the you would have had to have given me well. That. I, I mean, was going to say the one caveat would be well, there were three people that tied for the lead in the Western Carolina game and rebounded. I would have given it to you. I would have said, okay, forget that Bo was one of the leading rebounders in the Western Carolina game. Throw that out because he was the leading rebounder in the Wofford game, and I'll give you Luke or Trey, and you would have gotten it right. But as it is, Davian Williamson led the Bucks in scoring against VMI and Western Carolina. My final bowl prediction was the Bucks would score more points in the first half in each game than they did in the second half. And, you know, that wasn't too far off either. Against VMI, they were plus four in the second half. Western Carolina plus one. And against Wofford, they were even. Now, that still does mean that I was not right on any of the games. So, I guess close is subjective here. Uh, but 
plus four, plus one, even. I didn't get any of them right. Obviously, the bowl prediction itself does not become correct either. And your final bowl prediction, you said that no one seed out of the Big South, the OVC, or the A-Sun would win their conference tournament. And you know, when I Close. looked it up, Close. when I looked it up and I saw that Belmont as a one seed won by one point in their final in the OVC 76-75, I was thinking in my mind that you were going to be absolutely beside Did you yourself. see how they won? Yeah, oh, the backdoor cut play. Oh, they were like, like two oh, seconds gorgeous. or whatever. It was a beautiful play. How did it, everybody not know it was happening? I don't know. They went over know. Murray State, who were the number two, 76-75. But then I went and looked at the A-Sun, and Liberty really dismantled. Yeah, it was ugly. Whoever it was, I can't even Li- remember. Uh, Lipscomb. Lipscomb, 73-56. to 56. Yeah. So, really not yeah, that I, close. I did, yeah, right. I, I would have got – if the backdoor play didn't happen, I'm still going to lose Liberty by a lot. The one you did get right, the Big South, because, what, Radford got knocked out early by Hampton and in the five the, season? the Big South – always it's it's amazing they do the weird the host school hosts unless you get to the title game so like the last four years i don't know bj Mackey had to tell me they have actually packed up from one site because they play friday they don't play championship game to sunday and had to everyone's had to pack up and drive to a different city to play a championship game mm. now next year apparently they may be going to a neutral site in charlotte but basically the last four years let's say Winthrop's been the one seed. They get beat. They'll pack up and drive to Radford, or they'll be in Radford and pack up and drive to Gardner or wherever, who at Campbell or whoever's the the seed. So it's an interesting format that you still play, even if the one seed lost early, you still play the other games there. But then you have like two days ago play somewhere else. It's very. It's not like the the Suns at least like you know the higher seed, you're going to the higher seed all the time. So it's already set up that way. It's very interesting how the Big South does it. You know the other frustrating part. So you didn't get that one right. Bottom line, you get that. I, that cracks, I won. Is that, that the frustrating part that I won? The other frustrating part for ETSU men's basketball: mm. Winthrop wins that tournament. North Dakota State won the Summit. Yep. So two of your losses, or I should say, you beat Winthrop, but two teams that you played won their conference tournament of like the what seven auto bids that had been already gone uh, through. And, to and Little tournament. Rocks wasn't done, but they were still obviously. And in ETSU it. was one of them. So it's like. Of the six possible that had been locked up, 33% you played, and then Little Rock was still possible as well. One of your losses was to an NCAA tournament team, that being North Dakota State. Of course, Kansas as well. Uh, Furman and Mercer, obviously, that didn't hold true as Furman lost early, uh, and Mercer, um, to my surprise, because I really didn't think Mercer was going to be able to make a run and be the one to knock off Western Carolina and then perhaps move forward. And Southern Utah was in the semifinals when they canceled the tournament. So, So again, Little Rock was still alive, Southern Utah was alive. Uh, on top of it, just to bring your point full circle. And frustrating also for me that I now have to. He is the smartest man in the yeah. universe. I am the smartest man alive! Winner. You're a genius. Winner. You're a genius. Winner. I cannot believe Can you call me champ? Next year I'm going to refuse if you don't call me champ. Congratulations. I, I will just say congratulations. You got 25 correct this year. I got 22 correct. I tried it was a massive comeback. Was it not a great comeback? Because you dominated like football. Early on, I was really good. In reality, set in. Hit a screeching halt. It was unbelievable. And bad you, take. Mike came into play. I really tried to pull out all the stops in the last week, do everything I could to be able to catch up, and it still wasn't enough. It just shows me that this year, Jay Sandos, you are the better man. Congratulations, winner, baby. Congratulations. Right. I have uh, nothing else I can say. I'll say this: unless something changes, major sports-wise, That's probably it. Not, this might be it. We have spring football. We'll come back. We'll do that. If we have information about something else, we'll do it. If not, unfortunately, it may be August uh, before we come back. Season 2 has been fun. Season 2 has been fun. I thought we improved. No physical harm done to either of us. Again, for a second year in a row. That's a great run. That is. That is. I think I threw one piece of paper at you one time. You did. All right. Santos sidekick. 
Probably back with you in August. Who knows? Buccaneer. Sports Network. See ya.